Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Christina. And that's Victoria. And today we're going to be doing another combo episode Fun. of two saints that don't quite have enough about them to be standalones, although they had more than I expected. Okay. Uh, they're delightful and they are connected, and you can let me know if you can find out why they're connected later. Okay. Uh, so our first one is going to be St. Iva of emily okay which is spelled a-i-l-b-e if you're wondering pretty sure it's iva um okay according to my googlings not okay. abe as for some reason australians pronounce it as abe and i'm like i don't think that's okay right. <laughs> uh so uh he is also sometimes called saint elvis in english which i was like that's Oof. weird um yeah, i don't like that or some, sometimes people convert it to the Latin, which is like Albius or Albus, that kind of thing. Okay. Like Dumbledore. Um, yes, like Dumbledore. Okay. So, uh, he is thought to have been born sometime in the 5th-ish century. Um, Good start. Probably in Ireland, given his mm-hmm. leader activities, although not proven necessarily. Um, all of these stories about... Him and his life come from a vita, or vitae, but from a vita about a different saint <laughs> or a collection oh, of other saints. Oh, so it's good. kind of like adjacent. Um, mm-hmm. But as we'll get to later, he is mentioned in St. Patrick's stories, mm, which are fun. interesting. So um, somewhere in the 5th century, probably Ireland. Actually, Ireland. I checked this time. It's not Northern Ireland. Actually, Ireland. Okay. It's kind of Ireland, like Ireland. South Central, pretty much right down in the middle of a little bit south in Ireland. Okay. Um, is kind of where he hangs out. So, um, it said that in this Vita that maybe was the son of a, a King Cronin's wife. Who King Cronin is, I could not find any any historical record of who that okay. could possibly be in the fifth century so okay no idea who that is don't know if it was just like a little like village you know chief guy yeah, like that a lord kind of thing yeah nobody's yeah. recorded who the hell knows couldn't find anything except Did you say for... that he was his wife's son yeah so but we'll not the king's son <laughs> yeah maybe okay who knows uh okay the only 
like mentions of a King Cronin or something similar in like the fifth century or in Irish history was in these records of St. Iva. Mm. So <laughs> that's not <laughs> that, good. No. Um, <laughs> so supposedly either the son of his wife or maybe one of like his household servants. Okay. Unclear. Um, possibly one story says that like some other random guy, like she was having an affair with some other guy Mm -hmm. and then that guy fled and then the king was mad and was like, kill the kid, you know, Mm -hmm. or that it was like a servant and, uh, she got this baby and the king was like, no, like kill the baby because you're my servant. That kind of thing. Unclear. Okay. Either way, uh, the story goes that somehow, uh, his mother refuses to kill him, mm-hmm. um, even though this sounds like she's kind of killing him. Uh, but anyway, she refuses to kill him and takes the baby into the wilderness and puts him on a rock, hoping mm. he would be found by a passerby. Except that that's, that's usually what you would do when you don't actually want to kill your kid, but you know like they're going to die of exposure. You need them to die. Yeah. Animals, things like you that. You don't want to like, feel bad about it, but you need yep. them to be gone. <laughs> yeah, people, that's people a terrible that. plan. All the time. So yep. uh, she does this um, and obviously he doesn't die um, because we have a story about him. Uh, I know, that would be a crazy if he was a baby saint. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, especially <laughs> since a couple of weeks ago, my saints were the youngest canonized. Yeah. Uh, and they were like seven. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so she, he's hanging out in the forest and instead he's found by a female wolf who is said to have nursed him uh, and like raised him through some level of childhood it's fun it is um there is another story that says instead he was found by some british christian immigrants and they saw him as like you know an embodiment of the baby jesus and stuff and they're like we must take him in you know they see him as the embodiment of the baby jesus but not as the embodiment of moses i don't know wouldn't no Moses be a closer analog to finding a baby in the woods? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking because the other possible story is that he was raised by a wolf, Dora. I mean, so. I get that. But like, if you think that your baby is divinely inspired and is related to a Bible story, why would you link him to Jesus who had parents and like, don't you know, know, was taken care of rather than to Moses who was literally found out in the middle of nowhere. All right. <laughs> Right. I choose to believe the wolves anyway, so it doesn't matter because right. I choose so to believe I. that story's not real. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's possible that both could be theoretically true. But anyway, True-ish, so they find yeah. this baby and they're like, ah, oh, I gotta take this baby. And they take him to a, a British Christian settlement somewhere in Ireland. Um, okay. So then we kind of jump to like teenage, child. It's unclear because one story, the story where people find him instead of the wolf suggests that he was baptized as like, you know, maybe like a 12 year old or something okay. um, in that Christian settlement. Or another option is that he was raised by the wolves and then he walked out of the forest at like 12 <laughs> and then somebody mm, let's baptized him. Let's go with that one. Him. Yeah. Let's go with that one. Yep. So. That was more fun. Yeah. That was way more fun. Um, But either way, uh, later at some point. He's ordained a bishop, um, and he's even theoretically walked himself to Rome, as they did, uh, to visit mm. the Pope. To get his pallium. To get his pallium, yes. They shouldn't um, do that. 
I know, right? <laughs> Wait for the next story. So dumb. <laughs> uh, he then goes back to Ireland uh, after he gets his pallium uh, and becomes, theoretically, maybe, one of the first uh, to bring Christianity Christianity to Ireland even before St. Patrick, because usually that's okay. given to St. Patrick, uh, in the sense that, you know, St. Patrick, the story is that he drove all the snakes out of Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. And the the idea is that that's, you know, an analogy and a story for the pagans. Mm. So usually St. Snakes. Yeah. So usually St. Patrick is said to have been like the evangelizer of Ireland. Mm-hmm. But uh, this guy was before St. Patrick. Um, hmm. Take that, St. Patrick. Just by a little bit. <laughs> Isn't St. Patrick's uh, so, Day this week? Uh, yeah, it could be Friday. It's on Friday, yeah. Could be. Well, this works out. Um, so uh, there are even references in stories of St. Patrick that St. Patrick was not the first. Mm. um there were quote other there were quote those that came before him and i'll read that in a moment okay um uh it's believed that saint patrick arrived just after iva uh and that another saint saint siren uh had also been there before as well as possibly a few others including (laughs) Like various other monks and priests that were there doing stuff at about the same time, but also slightly before St. Patrick. So it does seem like this, like the Christian Christianizing of Ireland was kind of happening at the same time. Yeah. But there were a couple of people who were doing it before Patrick, possibly. Or that all of these other people are just kind of a conglomeration of a bunch of people. So that mm-hmm. is one theory for uh, Iva as well, which I will also get to. Okay. So, according to one site um, that cites a bunch, or basically cites this one book, uh, which they claim to have been the best source that they could find, uh, mm-hmm. it's called The Flowering of Ireland, Saints, Scholars, and Kings by Catherine Sherman, uh, which was uh, published in 1981 and reissued in 1999 for St. Patrick's Day. Ooh. Um, so, I have a bunch of quotes from that book. The first one is about St. Patrick. It says, quote, but he, Patrick, had predecessors. Through the nimbus of myth that surrounds early Irish church history, there emerged four holy figures who were there when Patrick came. Not much remains to us but the names, St. Cyrin of Sager and Ossery, St. Iva of Emly, and St. Ebar of Beg Erin, and St. Declan of Ardmore, and some lively legends of their miraculous activities. Um, so all of these are, you know, known saints and mm-hmm. based on their stories and Patrick's stories, it seems like they might've been slightly before, but they all knew each other. Okay. Like they met, they were all alive at the same time. So it's like, okay. it seems kind of like they were all doing it together. <laughs> okay. Um, so this book also describes a slightly different birth story of Iva, mm-hmm. which is a little bit along the second one I told you. So I will read that. Quote, Iva was born to a maidservant in the house of Cronin, lord of Eliac in County Tipperary. Cronin, for reasons unrevealed, disapproved of his birth and directed that he be exposed to dogs and wild beasts that he might be devoured. The baby was found by a wolf who tended him until an unidentified passerby, possibly a Christian from Britain, noticed his beauty and his potential Christian grace and took him away to be reared in the faith. 
After study and consecration in Rome, Iva was directed by the Pope, along with, quote, 50 holy men from Ireland, presumably recently converted followers, to proselytize the heathens in an unrecorded corner of Europe. Then, like a sagacious bee loaded with honey, he embarked for Ireland with his companions in an unseaworthy boat. (laughs) By blessing the sea, he brought them all serenely to port in Northern Ireland, where he converted the king, Fintan, and brought back to life Fintan's three sons slain in battle. Mm, That's fun. What a delight. I like Mm. that they leave in an unseaworthy boat. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's like maybe... Pick a better boat. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so over the rest of his life, life, all the stories are kind of the same, where he moves about Ireland, converting people left and right, as you mm-hmm. do. Uh, he worked and with and met St. Patrick, who arrived to Ireland after him, but who, according to everybody, was higher rank in the Catholic Church, presumably mm-hmm. meaning that Patrick was a priest or bishop, while at the time Iva was monk or lay level of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's said that Iva was a bishop, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, it's generally accepted that he eventually settles in Emily in the county Tipperary, uh, which may or may not have been where he was born, possibly. Uh, okay. It's also said that he was named Bishop of Munster by St. Patrick, specifically. Good for him. Um it said that he founded, he's cre- or at least he's credited with founding a church and school in Emily. Uh, you know, all good. Mm-hmm. Classic saint stuff. stuff. Yep. He establishes the law of Iva, which is said to have been the first established or written ecclesiastical rule in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So, and in some accounts, he meets St. Declan first in Rome and then brings Declan back to Ireland questioning whether or not Declan is actually Irish. Unclear. Okay. Um, he is also related to the founding of the Clane Friary in modern uh, County Kildare, which was founded in the 6th century. So, the right time period. Mm-hmm. So he could have founded it, which is fun. Uh, after all of this, he gets old, as you do, uh, and is said to have been... Uh, the age of 167. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that. Uh, which is based on some accounts of his birth year being 360 and his death year being 527. <laughs> mm, no. Um, which does not sound correct. Uh, no. And that, those accounts, a lot of people are saying, you know, it sounds more like he's a conglomerate of a pu- Yeah, he's more than one person. Yeah. Uh, who are all kind of doing the same thing. Uh, so that's probably not true. Uh, so people more likely think that he was born, you know, in the fifth, at the end of the fifth century mm-hmm. rather than in the fourth century. <laughs> yeah. That uh, Cause he's most active in like the sixth ish around the same time as St. Patrick. So. Okay. Um, according to that same account, uh, he was planning to, the, to retire to the Island of Thule to be, you know, hermit monk man um today it's thought that the island of thule might refer to modern day iceland or greenland or possibly a variety of other smaller islands in the vicinity Hmm. Um, probably not greenland probably not in the 600s 
Probably not. But I think, they, I think the Vikings got there in about a thousand. Who knows? <laughs> he also lived to 167, Doria. So. That's true. Um, Iceland, I believe. Actually, I don't know if people are in Iceland yet either. That'd I don't know. So impressive. they're they're using Let's this this name Thule, and historians, I guess, aren't. So there's not sure just exactly. an island now that's called Thule. No, it was it referring okay. to something else. And from the descriptions, they're like, we kind of think it might be Iceland or Greenland. Or something like that, but nobody's really sure. Either way, okay. he was planning to leave Ireland. Okay. Uh, this is kind of where it ends. There's one story where it said that a king wanted him to stay and so prevented him from leaving on his little hermit monk thing. And mm-hmm. so then he ends up dying in Ireland. Unclear. Don't that really know what... maybe more likely. <laughs> maybe. We don't really know yeah. what happens to him. <laughs> okay. Or really his body or anything. Um Okay. He is credited as one of the earliest, you know, converters of Ireland. He's mm-hmm. often called the second Patrick, which is Isn't ironic. He the first because Patrick, technically, he would be the first Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, Patrick should be the second Ava or whatever. Yes. Yep. Um, okay. He is seen as a you know a pre-organization pre uh, what yep. call it saint. Yep. Uh, he's still venerated in the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Churches. His feast day is the 12th of September. Couldn't tell you why. Maybe that's the day that they thought he died. Who knows? That's fun. Um, sure. He is considered the patron saint of Munster, uh, the Archdiocese of Cashel and Emily, and the patron saint of Wolves. That's cute. Which is nice. Um, there is another story that says... I like says, to imagine that wolves need a patron saint, like the wolves are praying. Well, so I think it's partially because there's another uh, story. So, you know, he was theoretically raised by this female wolf, right? To mm-hmm. some extent. At least nursed to some extent. It said that later when he's a bishop of Munster, this wolf is being hunted. And mm. she runs to him. And he protects her and then feeds her and her cubs for the rest of her and life. And he just has, he has like a wolf dog. A wolf friend, yeah. Like she'll yeah, come out okay. of the forest and with her cubs and he feeds their they're his like siblings that. christina his, his half siblings yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's another story that is attributed to him you know who knows i actually, i certainly believe that he could have been feeding wolves absolutely like yeah sure why, why the hell not um mm-hmm. so there is also a little summary of him sort of uh in a verse of a troparion I had to look up what the hell a troparion was. A troparion one is just is just a, a name for a short hymn or rhythmic prose sung or chanted liturgically in supposedly the Eastern Orthodox Church, but it's probably just an old name for a hymn of some okay. sort. So this is a verse of this hymn that mentions him. It says, quote, when Ireland's enlightener returned to his native land, he found thee, O holy Iva, preaching the faith at Emily, where at the bidding of an angel thou hadst built a church, O wise shepherd of souls and glorious ascetic, O friend of animals and fellow missionary with the illustrious Patrick, pray to Christ our God that we might also become bastions of orthodoxy, a shining example to our fellow countrymen, drawing them away from ignorance and error and into the true faith that all our souls may be saved. That's nice. Yeah. I couldn't find out when that was written. Um, so, but 
you know, re- theoretically re- more recently than <laughs> the 600s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does still mention friend of animals. And That's it nice. also mentions again that he was here before <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> yes. Seems like all of the records know that there were guys before Patrick and then the general public's like, no, Patrick is first. Yeah, that's, that's weird. It is I mean, I guess it's just Patrick is more famous, but... Yes. Still. Yeah, and it sounds... The whole driving snakes out of Ireland sounds real cool. Um, mm. So Even though that's not what it means? No, probably not. Mm. Although there aren't any native snakes in Ireland, so... But that's probably because it's an island, not because somebody mm. made them leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's our first one. Simple, Solid. Nice. Easy peasy. Um, Guy who outranks uh, Patrick. Patrick, yes. Yep. Or precedes Patrick, I guess. Precedes Patrick, yeah. So, our next guy uh, is St. Corbinian, which is just mm, fun to say. Okay. Um, he's also, kind of like last week, apparently fam- famous enough to have his Wikipedia page just be Corbinian. Um. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just him i guess um so again we have loose records uh but we mm-hmm. have actually a little bit more seemingly solid info about this guy um even though he's not that much after iva so anyway uh okay. saint corbinian uh theoretically a frankish bishop born sometime in 670 um okay. in Chartres, France, or Chat Chartres. Chat. I believe in you. I don't know. C H A T R E S. With a little hat over the A, like Chateau. Chartres, yeah, I guess. Chartres, sure. I guess. I that know. sounds good. Uh you know, wasn't in France at the time. You know, it was just Frankish vicinity. But mm-hmm. it's in France now. Um He was born and baptized as Named Waldegiso. Waldegiso. That's all I got. Um, (laughs) uh, Which is said to have been his father's name. Uh, The stories claim that his dad died before he was born. I don't know if this is true. Because uh, Corbinian's mother, theoretically, after the dad supposedly died, renamed him. Uh, after herself, because her name was Corbiniana, mm-hmm. so she named him Corbinian, which to me suggests that the dad was a piece of shit, <laughs> and he yeah. left, and she was like, fuck you, not naming yeah. this kid after you anymore, changing him yeah. to be named after me, because I did all the goddamn work, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so now but... he's Corbinian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because okay. if, if she liked the dad and the dad died, why would she rename him? <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. Wouldn't she keep him named yeah, you after think this guy? To she honor loved? her husband, yeah. Okay. What? So they were like, "Oh, he died," and then she renamed him. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> think that's what happened. <laughs> so he's Corbinian now, not Waldis Waldegiso. Waldegis. That's all I got. Yep, he's Corbinian, which is easier to say. So I appreciate that. Uh, shout out to Corbiniana. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's all we got about his childhood. Don't know much mm-hmm. else. 
in adulthood, we know that he spent 14 years as a hermit uh, on a road that traveled to Orleans from where? Don't know. Uh, don't okay. know if he was hanging out in a hut on the side of the road or if he was walking up and down the road. Couldn't tell. Um, but he's a hermit for 14 years. Okay. <laughs> Over this time, uh, he gains a reputation as a religious hermit and attracts a bunch of students, um, which inevitably distracts him from his hermitness. <laughs> yeah, that's like See, the opposite of what hermits are supposed to do. Exactly. He hermited too hard and then people noticed and were like, hey, can we be hermits with you? And he's like, that's kind of not the point, <laughs> guys. Um. And then after this, once he gets enough people, he's just like, well, I can't be a hermit now, I guess. So as a devotee to St. Peter the Apostle, he decides to take a pilgrimage to Rome uh, and his followers follow him because that's what followers do. Uh, Mm -hmm. When he's there, Pope Gregory II tells him to um, basically he like yells at him (laughs) and he's like, you're wasting your talents trying to be a hermit when obviously you're a good teacher because all these people followed you here, even though you told uh-huh. them not to. <laughs> so they're like, he's like, you've got to, like, teach, like, do, do uh-huh. the teaching thing. So he orders him to basically go and evangelize Bavaria, <laughs> uh-huh. which Bavaria is modern day southeastern Germany. At the time, it was the duchy of Bavaria, specifically. Uh-huh. So it was a... Yes. Probably part of the Holy Roman Empire. Yes, it was. Uh, It Mm -hmm. was a settlement of Bavarian tribes that were ruled by dukes that either were Frankish or answered to Frankish governance at the time, who also may have answered to Holy Roman Empire. Unclear. Okay. Um, Either way, uh, he's in Rome. The Pope tells him to do this. He either already was a bishop or he's then ordained a bishop by the Pope. And then sent to Bavaria. He Mm -hmm. arrives in Bavaria probably around 724, at the age of 46-ish, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Um, In Bavaria, he ends up closest to the town of Friesing, uh, which is still called Friesing today. It's in in the Bavarian region of Germany. Uh, It's known as a university town today, which is fun. Fun. Um, Near Friesing, there was a sanctuary on a mountain nearby. Um which Corbinian then expanded and established a Benedictine monastery and school at. Um, Shortly, this is where it gets confusing. (laughs) So uh, he eventually dies in 730, which is only uh, six years after he gets to Bavaria in 724-ish. Okay. But, you know, he was 46. He dies six years later. He's 52. It's pretty old for 730. Mm -hmm. Um. So after he dies, Corbinian's brother, who is not at all mentioned in his birth story, mm-hmm. who is named Arimbert, which <laughs> okay. is just a good name, uh, takes over the monastery. Uh, and then later in 738, when St. Boniface, who you may have heard of, was mm-hmm. restructuring Christianity in the Duchy of Bavaria, uh, where he creates four dioceses, etc., etc., he chooses Arimbert to be the first bishop of Friesing. Which makes sense, because uh, he was okay. there taking command. Theoretically, Arimbert was also there when Corbidian was there establishing stuff, and that's why he could take over, because he knew what was happening. But I don't know. Or okay. is it a situation where he's not actually related? He's like a monk brother. I yeah. don't know. Okay. I don't know. 
<laughs> they claim that he's his brother. They also claim that he has another brother. Um, so before Corbinian dies, in those six years between 724 and 723, actually within a year, apparently, he uh, makes people very mad. <laughs> he gets on the wrong side of a man named Grimold, uh, who may or may not be, you know, a local leader guy, unclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grimold wants to marry his brother's widow. How does his brother have a widow if he takes over after Corbinian dies? I don't know. It, are Corbinian and Aaron Bird even brothers? Is there another mm. brother that died? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But then so, it, that kind of suggests that maybe he actually does have an actual brother, because if the brother is like a monk brother, then that guy right. shouldn't be married. He shouldn't be married. Right. Right. Don't know. Okay. Either way, uh, Corbinian opposes this marriage to his sister-in-law, whose name is Bill mm. Trudis. <laughs> Uh, so this made a bunch of people mad um and i guess bill trudis is also really mad because she banishes him and calls him Uh. a foreign interloper (laughs) um yep and then she orders him to be murdered uh which apparently corbinian when he was banished he did not leave freezing because he doesn't leave Mm -hmm. until he's ordered to be murdered um And then after he is out of freezing for a little bit, Grimold himself is killed, and Bill Trudis is kidnapped by raiders in 725. Bummer. So in the year, or even less, when he arrived in 724 to when Bill Trudis is kidnapped and Grimold is murdered in 725, he made these people so mad that they banished him. And then he didn't leave, and then they ordered him to have him be murdered, and then he ran, and then they were killed and kidnapped by raiders. Everybody needs to chill. <laughs> She's just, like, okay, bro, I guess. Um, yeah. So, after this, he returns to freezing and continues his work until he dies in 730, apparently unbothered because Grimold is dead and Bill Trudis has been kidnapped. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they think he was buried initially at Murano. Don't know where that mm-hmm. is. Uh, no uh, other context in, there. Uh, I think it's in near Venice, but that doesn't seem like it would make sense. There no. is a Murano near Venice. Right. So I don't know if this was... It'd be the most famous Murano, I would think, but that else. seems like a weird place to bury him. Right. I don't know. But okay. they think he was moved to Freezing, moved back to Freezing in 769, uh, by a bishop, Ar. Arbeo, um, who is also the guy who wrote his Vita, Corbinian's Vita. Mm-hmm. Um, now Corbinian is largely believed to be entombed at the Freezing Cathedral, uh, which is not out of the question because the Freezing Cathedral has evolved, you know, as a series of church constructions, yeah. which the first one was in 715. Mm. And the okay. version that was built in 1205 is the one that still stands today. Okay. So, you know, it was kind of already there. Uh, It could be in the floor or somewhere. Right. So the bishop of that cathedral is like, yo, let's bring this guy back because he was good. And Mm -hmm. because obviously Bishop Arbeo was also just jazzed about him because he wrote his Vita too. Mm -hmm. So so they bring him back. So yeah, he's probably in the floor or under it of some sort, assuming Mm -hmm. that whatever body they brought back actually was him in the first place. Because <laughs> who knows? Yes. Um, so, why did I pick this guy to go with St. Iva? Is he also a patron saint of 
wolves? Not of wolves. Dogs? It's because St. Corbinian oh, dogs dogs. is largely known as the patron saint of bears. Bears? Bears. Why? <laughs> exactly. Here's the story. So, this is the story of specifically Corbinian's bear. <laughs> so, this gets actually kind of crazy. Not gonna lie. Well, the story doesn't, but what happens after the story is kind of crazy. So, he's on his way to visit Rome with all his little people who are following him, even though he's a hermit, and he's like, stop following me. Um, so, he's on his way to Rome. Uh, where he eventually gets his orders from the Pope to go and be in Bavaria, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. On the road to Rome. We've talked a lot about how being on the road to Rome is a terrible idea, and mm-hmm. that's because a bear kills his pack horse. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and, you know, perfectly reasonable thing for a bear to do in the wilds of Europe in the mid-700s. <laughs> yeah, gotta look out for bears. <laughs> yep, the bear's like, yo, I'm gonna eat this horse. So, mm-hmm. uh, Corbinian's like, Yo, you ate my horse. Um, so Corbinian orders the bear to carry his pack for him. Mm-hmm. So Corbinian allows the bear to eat his horse in exchange for carrying his packs to Rome for him. The bear agrees and carries his Corbinian's packs all the way to Rome. Mm-hmm. When he gets to Rome, Corbinian releases the bear and it wanders back into the forest. <laughs> um, oh, dokie. <laughs> Some, just like the other story, some say that this is, you know, an analogy uh, where the bear is Corbinian himself, who is tamed by God's grace, and where the packs are instead Corbinian's mission of carrying and spreading the word of God. But that's mm-hmm. not as fun. So. No. Uh, others say that it's an analogy for Christianity taming or domesticating the wilds of paganism, which is also not as fun. Um I also don't think those are as fun or as likely since there is kind of a pretty extensive illustrative history of him with a saddled bear. Um, hmm. So to this day, St. Corbini is depicted with a saddled bear Cute. and a saddled bear is, I mean, you know, there's all, you know, a bunch of medieval paintings and stuff with him and a saddled bear, but also today, um, a saddled bear is seen in the official ecclesiastic heraldry for freezing Germany. Fun. This symbol was first used in the official, uh, or I guess not first used, but is most well known as used as the official papal arms of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Oh hey. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI adopted the symbol when he was appointed the Archbishop of Freezing and Munich in March of 1977. Uh, he then kept the bear on his coat of arms when he was elevated to cardinal in the same year. And then again, he kept it in his papal arms when he was chosen as Pope in 2005. Hey, so we'll post a bunch of photos of this and uh, stuff for St. Iva in our Instagram. But if you look at the arms for Pope Benedict XVI, there's a little bear, a little bag yep. on it. He's sticking his tongue out. Yeah. Um, For some reason. Today, St. Corbinian is venerated in both Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches. His feast day is September 8th, which is said to be the day he died. He is the patron of Friesing, uh, Germany, and the Archdiocese of Munich and Friesing, and the patron saint of bears. Fun. Random, but fun. Yes. (laughs) I googled it, and Murano and... 
precinct are only about 200 miles apart, which isn't that ah. far in the grand scheme of things. So maybe he but was also, on like a trip to Murano or yeah, something maybe. and then died. And then they or were like... Or some rich patron wanted him in Murano, so they moved yeah. his body. Yeah, maybe. But it's they close enough it that it's, it's theoretically possible. Yeah. That they mean uh, Italian Murano. Uh, so that makes sense. All right. Yeah, and then All so right. he dies in 730. He's moved back in 769. So 39 years. Mm-hmm. He's away, and then he gets moved back, and then That's he doesn't move long. again. Theoretically, good for him. And now he's in the floor, probably. And now he's probably in the floor or under it of some sort. Because mm-hmm. I think you know those churches that are that old, they like get erected, they burn down, they get erected, they burn, they fall down, they get erected, they get knocked down, <laughs> get erected. Mm-hmm. So he's probably you know deep under there in some ruins, but mm-hmm. um, it's still on the same spot, the church today. So. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So those are the patron saints of wolves and bears. Um, at is that first, how you I found was, them? Yes, that is how I found them. At first, I was also thinking of doing uh, a lions and tigers and bears Oh my situation. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the patron saint of lions is not interesting because it's like a real biblical figure. figure oh, yeah. And Probably everybody Daniel. agrees. Yeah, everybody agrees yeah. that the uh, the lions are a metaphor, which I'm like, oh, that's lame. Um, (laughs) So I I went and found wolves and bears. um, Okay. And this further proves... I could not find tigers. I didn't find anybody for tigers, yeah. Sad. Um, Probably because... You know, when, when tigers these large... live in parts of the world that there are not as many Catholic saints. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially not in the time period where this was very common to your horse to be eaten by a bear on yeah. the road to Rome, yeah. which further proves why you should not go to Rome mm-hmm. to get your pallium. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. You should just have someone mail it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know the mail used to be slow, but like, put it in the mail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also like that he like approached this bear with logic. He's like, yo, like. I get that you need to eat and you can eat my horse, but I also need somebody to carry my shit. And the bear's like, yeah, right. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> the bear should have just eaten him and then uh, the horse yeah. could have had a lovely life in the wild. Well, but then we wouldn't have this delightful story. So No, but the bear also wouldn't have had to carry a bunch of bags to... Uh... <laughs> I don't think he was carrying... Because a horse had to have carried it. And bears are bigger than horses. so Or possibly a mule. It might have been also been a mule. Some people say it's a mule. But uh, I think the bear is probably fine with it. And he got to go back to the forest. So. <laughs> I mean, sure. 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 Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of depictions. There's also one story where, and so I think this is not even like it's it's less used because it comes from a lot of these like Renaissance paintings where they were just mm-hmm. like making shit up to make a cool painting, uh, where the bear might have killed Grimold. Okay, that feels more likely to me. Um, had killed or had killed his horse. And then Grimbold, like, confronts him on the road, and the bear's like, this is my friend. And then he kills Grimbold. Okay. Unclear. <laughs> but that seems like a little bit of a conflation. Um, yeah. You know, much later in the 1500s. So, uh, probably not, there's probably not a relationship between the bear and Grimbold, but uh, it seems more uh, likely that the bear was just like, yo, you have a horse. He's um, just a bear. Yeah. He's gonna eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Doing normal bear stuff. <laughs> doing normal bear stuff in the mid 700s in uh, Europe. Yeah. So when that was a big concern. Gotta watch out for that. Yeah. 
so I hope I hope this was a delightful uh, double episode. Yeah, it was uh, cute. People having weird relationships. With I like to imagine the animals praying to these saints. Yeah, because they didn't. They're not patron saints of like problems with wolves. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. No, <laughs> they are like for the wolves and they wolves. are for the bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. Good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so everyone should do all of the normal podcast things, like and review and subscribe on whichever platform you use. That will help us out a lot. Uh, we also have the Instagram where we will post some of these pictures, uh, including uh, this crest of the yep. coat of arms with the bear on it. Yep. Uh, the handle is at Martyr and Monk. Uh, so you can check us out there. Uh, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Bye.